Hello, and welcome to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife and producer, Janet. And we are streaming live at the AM 1470 KBSN studio. Um, if you'd like to be part of the show, join in, 509-765-1470. Um, today, we have on the line Matt Dinsmore from Direct Primary Care out of Spokane. Matt, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, thank you for agreeing to be on the show. So my first question is, why don't you just share your story and tell us a little bit about your practice and why you made some changes? All right. You bet. Well, um, when I graduated as a nurse practitioner, um, after a year of doing some odds and ends, I finally kind of got my dream job out in the rural clinic in the city that I grew up in and um, get to help treat my neighbors and um, really just kind of be involved in the community. And uh, kind of strangely enough, I began to notice that there was um, um, discontentment, right? There was, uh, and, and usually it was in the providers, and for some reason it always showed up at like our med staff meetings when after administration would talk and we just had providers, I was like, blow up during these meetings, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's a side of that person I haven't seen before, and and I thought it was kind of, you know, unique personalities or traits or something along those lines, uh, but after several years of uh, working there, I began to find out that, um, that that was a very atypical response, and it was in a, a response of something that was happening and kind of brewing below, right, these these, uh, what was happening is, is just with the nature of kind of this insurance bill, primary care is every year, you know, the providers were asked to do more and more with a little bit less. You know, they, they had to be and treat chronic and acute conditions and do well with all the exams with a little less time and a little less resources and check a little more boxes and spend more time documenting. And I think the, the national average now is two hours of documentation every one hour of patient care. And it was destroying these providers, and these providers were, were lashing out, you know, and we in medicine are always trying to treat the actual condition, not just the symptoms, and these these kind of outbursts were, was just a symptom of something brewing below, come to find out, and, uh, you know, I, I was taking these, like, uh, Lean Six Sigma, I don't know if you've heard of these classes, but they're, like, efficiency courses, how to make the most efficient system, and I also realized, holy smokes, I, our healthcare system is incredibly inefficient and it is not made to deliver high efficient care. It's just not like you, if you were just to look at it from an efficiency perspective, you know, when you call in, if a, if a patient has a question, they talk to the front office staff and that goes to the nurse and then that goes to the provider, the provider answers it, back to the nurse, back to the patient, the patient has a question, it goes back to the nurse, back to the provider, provider to the nurse, nurse to the patient, and it's like, Every time there's a transition, that's a delay, and all these things were beginning to add up. And I thought, gosh, we're just, there has to be a better way that we can provide care and and just in, in a way that makes sense without, like, continuing to put, I don't know, kind of crush providers. You know, like, you're taking these people who, who are going to rural family medicine, right? They're, they're, not, they're not after the money. I mean, they're being paid well, but they're not going after, they're not worth a specialists or cardiologists or something along those lines. Like they, they're community-minded people that want to help 
um, just on a very like humble level, help people um, to achieve healthier lives. And then you're basically taking their ability to be able to do that by having to treat one condition in like a seven to ten minute time frame. I mean, it's just destroying them. And so I thought, okay, well, there's got to be a better way. And maybe what I'll do is I'll just open up my own clinic, right? And and we won't earn a bunch of money, right? We're just we'll see ten people a day, and we'll provide high quality care, and I'll be able to sleep at night, you know. And and then I realized, wait, there's uh, there is no money in that. Like the overhead required to open up a business uh, in healthcare is just so high. It's like you need a front office staff to answer phones while you're seeing patients to be able to see a ton of them to be profitable. You need a billing specialist to help recuperate most of the expenses. You need a referral specialist to help navigate those waters. I mean, it's just, the overhead was so high, and so just before, I was losing hope. Like, man, maybe there is no fix for this. I came across the model of direct primary care. And come to find out, there's this national model where there's like 12 to 1,500 clinics doing this subscription-based model. So instead of billing insurance, having people show you insurance cards and dealing with co-payments and deductibles, a patient pays a monthly membership fee, usually ranging around $55 a month, and for that, they get unlimited office visits, so they can come in every day in the month, there's no additional charge, that's like a gym membership, you can go in as many times as you want, you get no co-payments, no deductibles, you get extended appointments with your providers, and your um, provider is accountable to you, not insurance companies, you don't see them checking boxes and and charting only when it makes sense, not in front of you to try to keep from falling behind. Plus 24-7 telemedicine, you get all these discounts to medications. And so I was reading this, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is this is it. Like providers can provide high quality care without the stress and the worry of trying to like justify a billing charge. And then patients, like providers are also accountable to provide high quality care. Because if they don't, then that patient leaves. The patient now becomes is the payer, so they become the person empowered, not not the provider who's accountable to an insurance company and the patient who's accountable to an insurance company. It's like all of these things were lining up, and I thought, all right, I think this is what I want to do. I want to try to help providers be empowered to provide care, and I want to be able to provide care in that model where I'm not, uh, where my arm's not twisted to try to provide care in a certain way, and we, we have the freedom of care. And so in November 2018, we launched uh, direct primary care here in Spokane and have absolutely loved it. It's been great. What a wonderful story. So you've been doing it about a year now. Yes, yes, just over now. So you, you talk about this direct primary care and you say, um, so it's $55 a month, is that what your charge is? Correct? Yeah. Well, the range is, across the nation, they kind of all do a little bit differently. Ours is age-based. So it ranges between $29 for those 26 and under up to $109 for those over 64. And so what what does that entail? Do you have other services besides just seeing you? Are there other services inside, like, like for instance, um, you know, what if you had to do a suture? Would that be extra or is that covered? Right, good question. So anything a family provider should and is able to do in like a normal primary care office, we do that within our office as well. So within that monthly membership fee, all procedures are included. There's no additional charge. That includes EKGs, uh, pulmonary function tests, 
if somebody did need a suture, we'd suture that up, no additional cost. Uh, we do mole removals, trial therapy. Uh, also within that monthly membership fee are, uh, we result, any labs result in health are also included. So we do a stress test, a urine analysis, glucose checking, pregnancy checks. Those are no additional charge for that. Um, yeah, wound and, uh, wound care, uh, shoulder, knee, joint injections, all of that's included within the monthly membership fee. We do all we can to keep people in our clinic and out of the ER and urgent care, so we try to offer as many services as possible. So, who is, I mean, that sounds like a great opportunity and a great deal. So, who is your typical patient? Is it an insured patient, an uninsured patient, or, you know, a mixture? Yeah, you know, I thought it would be, I thought, I thought it would be those who don't have insurance and like, you know, self-employed people who are looking for a more affordable option. And, uh, I guess to my surprise, it was much more, much more broad than that than who was looking for insurance. I would say a large, generally people, the thing that people have in common are those who are paying for health insurance know the cost of it and they know what they are not getting for the premium they are paying. We see a lot of people who are trying to get out of the high premiums, high deductibles, and try to get an actual benefit. And so they'll come to us and say, hey, okay, I like this. Is there a major medical solution that we can use with this? And so, yeah, we do with a lot of uh, small employer groups or people who are self-employed or small employment, um, people who do cost-sharing groups. Um, we work with uh, people who maybe are, have insurance, so they have high deductible plans, so they're paying a lot out of pocket, but they know they have to be seen, you know, for every one to three months, and it's actually more affordable for them to do a monthly membership subscription than it is to keep paying out of pocket for their high deductible plan. And and then probably another uh, slice of the pie, the people that see it, are those who are just kind of set up the system. Like, they're tired of only getting seven to ten minutes with their provider, and if they bring up a second condition, they say, you have to schedule another appointment to the six weeks from now. They're just, they realize their care is suffering. Maybe they're not as straightforward as Joe Schmo, and so they're trying to find somebody who has the time and the and the, the heart to, to care enough to spend time to try to figure out what's going on with them. Yeah, we hear that a lot, navigating the system. And so how do you try to tell your patients about um, help navigating the system? Because what if they need a surgery or something? Um, you know, and, and they do want it covered in insurance. How do you recommend those kind of things? Yeah, so so what, what I found is that I feel like every primary care provider should be a healthcare navigate, uh, a navigator. Like we should be helping people through this labyrinth of the system to try to figure out, okay, look, you do need surgery, and here are your options. Because a lot of times the provider knows the route that they need to go and what options, and they might be able to even troubleshoot some things, whereas the patient's going to have maybe some idea, but they're not going to know, and they're going to have a lot more difficulty trying to get through the back door of a hospital or surgery center than a provider is. The providers are able to hit a button on a call center and actually speak to somebody, you know, and so, like just for instance, the last two weeks, we, a guy was uh, out running around on Thanksgiving playing, you know, the American Classic football, and ended up having an Achilles tendon rupture. We saw him early that next week, and uh, when he called in saying, hey, things aren't getting better, he said, yeah, we can see you today. We saw him, said, yeah, this looks like an Achilles tendon rupture. 
that day we were able to schedule for an ultrasound. But the thing about this ultrasound is you actually need a radiologist present. It's not just like your average ultrasound that a tech can do. So we ended up calling several um, imaging centers to try to find someone who had the quickest availability to have a radiologist who could do the procedure, which we did uh, at a fair price. And then once we confirmed that it was a, a ruptured Achilles tendon, we ended up calling uh, two or three places to find who would take his insurance. So he kind of had this atypical insurance. So we then walked through the process of calling, do you take them? No, okay, well, uh, while you're going here, you know, they have like this walking clinic, one ortho clinic, you go there, I'll be calling here. And um, we were able to find, it was probably like plan C at that point. You know, plan A didn't pan out, didn't take his insurance. Plan B was like, they couldn't get him in, their ankle surgery was out for three or four weeks. And then plan C ended up calling a buddy of mine who's in and saying, hey, could you, is there any way you can get this guy seen? He's like, yeah, you just, you let me handle it. <laughs> like, oh, thank you so much. You know, he calls and provides high-quality service, and he gets surgery uh, that Thursday. So, like, within, he had a week from the time of injury to surgery. He was two weeks out. From the time of diagnosis to surgery, it was, it was one week. So we thought that was a pretty good turnaround. Yeah. So do you ever find that sometimes the best option is you tell them to screw around their surge, to screw around their insurance and actually pay up front and pay cash. Yeah, absolutely. And frankly, with this guy, we were having that conversation. We were saying, "Okay, so you need some imaging, but you have a high deductible plan, right? And we know that your deductible is going to reset January first. So yeah, you can pay the insurance inflated pricing of whatever you know when your insurance is billed, or you can pay cash at the time of service, and you'll get like fifty percent off." But in his case, we knew that it was a pretty clinically, it looked really apparent that he had a significant rupture, right? If there was more of a doubt, then we may have gone the cash route in light of his insurance. But clinically, it was pretty, pretty obvious he, he had a rupture. So we knew that surgery so was, was in the game. So we said, okay, you know what? You should build this through insurance because now you're playing the deductible game. You want everything to go towards this deductible because you're going to need it with the surgery so just put it all towards that you'll need it and then hopefully it will kind of pay off itself at that point now come January when your deductible resets okay for physical therapy let's have a discussion you know does it make sense to pay your co-payment for physical therapy or can you get a better cash rate price so we'll work on navigating that and based on his policy it's actually better for him to pay cash pay for the physical therapy in January and it's after his deductible resets, then for him to pay his co-payment and out-of-pocket co-insurance. Wow, well, what a great advocate you were for the patient. Sound like you saved him a lot of time and probably some money. So we are getting ready for our first commercial break. It is that time, and we're with Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. And if you'd like to be part of the show, call in 509-765-1470. Hello, and welcome back to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. We, in our first segment, we had Matt Densmore on the line from Spokane Direct Primary Care. Um, Matt, let's continue your conversation. You still there? It looks like, it looks like we may have lost him, so I'm going to get him back on the line. Um, while we're there, if you want to be part of the show, um, please give us a call, 509-765-1470. Uh, at our first segment, we were talking about direct primary care, and you guys know it's a it's a membership model, and it looks like we're working on getting Matt back on the line. Matt, you there? 
Yes, yeah, sorry. All right, wonderful, thank you. So on our first segment, we were talking about um, your model and how you made some changes, and I'm so glad you did. We're, we at Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy are starting to work um, with a lot more providers like yourself. Um, I personally think it's a, it's the future of healthcare. Um, what, what are your thoughts about the future of direct primary care? Well, I, I think, you know, legislatively, there's some movement going forward that's supportive of direct primary care. It was, it was already uh, named by name in the Affordable Care Act. Uh, in the uh, executive order signed by Trump in the summer, it's specifically named direct primary care, ur uh, urging legislators to address whether HSA expenses could be used for direct primary care, monthly membership fees to kind of clarify the tax language. Um, I think it's a, it's, there's bipartisan, bipartisan support nationwide for it. There's 38 states that have laws specifically addressing approval, basically, of direct primary care in those states. And I think it has legs, whether we go, you know, Medicare for all or continue to, you know, do the semi-private health insurance that we're doing now uh, because it continues to focus care uh, the way that it should be without a, a middleman. You know, it's just a, a free market type of thing. It's, it's kind of, I think you can share from your experience as a, as a pharmacist who's gone outside insurance, I think there will always be a market for people who can be competitive with price and with care. You know, and I know that those are the some of the pillars in which you stand your pharmacy on, and right. and I think so. Regardless of whether you know everybody has free health insurance, I I believe because of the flood of people that will need care, direct primary care will still have legs then. And because of our current this really messy healthcare system, um, it it currently has legs now. It's been taking off, especially in the last four or five years. So why do you think that is, Matt? Well, um, you know, I think prices continue to go up, for one, and uh, I think a bit of it is people are maybe continuing to feel the hurt, you know, as, as premiums are passing, mortgage payments, people, I think, are just kind of fed up, and because it's going higher and higher, employers are less apt or able to cover somebody's medical benefit in full, so consumers are feeling the pain more and more of rising healthcare costs. Um, I think that's helping drive the market. I think employer groups are beginning to see the benefit of direct primary care as a, as a medical benefit, you know, as they can sponsor that in the state of Washington. And there's more data now. You know, we have research now and companies like KPI Ninja who are running analytics on direct primary care and we can now show people like hey, we are decreasing urgent care and you have visits by 30%. And if you're a self-insured company, that is a huge, huge amount of money that you will save. Um, I mean, pharmacy costs go down by 90%. Um, they're finding admission rates go down by up to 70%. If you're in the hospital, you stay in not as long. I mean, the L&I rates go down by 70% according to some studies. I mean, the benefits of direct primary care, this unique relationship that basically, you know, in like Norman Rockwell type era, this is how care was delivered. It was, uh, we're kind of heading back to that, but with kind of today's technology, and what we're seeing is that 
when primary care is prioritized, and um, we're, we're, it's not a mystery. I mean, to a certain extent, when you prioritize primary care, people are healthier, they live longer, and they have less uh, comorbidities from chronic conditions that are controlled better. That's like the role of a primary care provider. It's equivalent to saying, hey, you'll live longer if you exercise, meet right, uh, eat right, and watch your weight. Like, this isn't, this isn't a mystery necessarily, but now we kind of have the data, we have the longevity, we now have some legislative support, and so there's some real momentum, I think. Uh, I think providers are getting set up and they're saying, we got to get out of this. You know, we just keep getting, it's more and more pinched, we feel more and more pinched, we want to provide high quality care, and so now you take these generally risk adverse people and they're saying, they're reaching their tipping point and uh, they're jumping into direct primary care. Well, I, I I really find it interesting. I like. I was thinking the same thing when you said the Norman Rockwell quote, and I, I wasn't thinking Norman Rockwell, but I was thinking that that's kind of where primary care is going back to. Because, yeah. you know, forty years ago, you know, primary care doctors they did it all. You know, primary care doctors or practitioners they did it all. I mean, they delivered babies, they they fixed eyes, they they did orthopedic surgery, they did appendectomies, they did all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And and I, I know not all primary care doctors want to go you know, do necessarily all that stuff, but um, I'm just surprised some days, not surprised because I know the system, but I'm surprised some of the things that some primary care doctors that are in a big system, you know, in a big group, what they don't take care of anymore. Mm-hmm. And immediately they want to send somebody to a specialist. Can Can you comment on that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, part of me is that uh, there's kind of two sides of it. The one, I want to be respectful of my <laughs> employees, but uh, hello, colleagues. One, to a certain extent, obviously, if I'm doing what I'm doing, then I feel like the rush care model of seven to ten minutes per person is um, is not right. It's just frankly not right. How can providers live with themselves and try to provide seven minutes worth of care? I just, I don't know how you can do that unless you are you you care more about your pain and you care more about patients. And ultimately, by the end of the day, when you meet your maker. How much you make is not going to matter. It's not going to matter. And so I think there's a little bit of sellout by providers who are not speaking up and saying, I can't see this many people. You know, and, but I think there's some fear, especially from MDs, that they'll be replaced by the level providers like myself and administrations working that way. And, and I just don't know. I think MDs have lost the voice that they once had. They used to be the leaders of the hospitals, the leaders of communities. And they've lost that voice because, frankly, I think they've sold out a little bit. And there's a few that are holding on, <laughs> but most of us aren't. And but I think the 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 second aspect is we just I, I think we don't know the way. You know, we're MDs are not trained, or nurse practitioners, or PAs. We're not trained to solve the labyrinth of healthcare. We're trained to take care of people. Like that's what we know, and that's what we're gifted at. We're not gifted as entrepreneurs and business and that's not what we do we're, you know you're, <laughs> they just want to help and so and so we we I think in order to help us when we continue forward we need advocates for direct primary care and that's providers um, who are going to continue to be the voice of their community and that also means legislative support locally and through organizations and through patients who are speaking about direct primary care and the benefits that it's had in their lives, that is the greatest uh, benefit is when people can say, hey, this was unique, this direct Medicare relationship was unique because they, I thought like they knew me, I thought like they had time, 
and and they illustrated it because they kind of put their their money where their mouth was, if you will. Yeah, you are you are speaking to the choir. Let me tell you, um, I've been working with I've been working in healthcare for over twenty years now, and in, and in that time, I've just I've collected a lot of thoughts in my head and a lot of opinions and ideas from. Um, you know, entrepreneurial, because that's what you are, even though you say you're not, I and mean, you you are, and I know that we don't get that in business as healthcare providers. We don't get business in school a lot as healthcare providers, and I think that's that's a problem. I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but collecting these stories, I, I've, I started jotting them down, and I wanted to write a book. So you know, about five years ago, I started writing a book, and, you know, it is just, you know, the things that you're saying, just it, it hits home in the book, and and you're right. Healthcare providers, we are part of the solution. You know, we can sit and complain about the system or we can fix it, but we are part of the solution. And I've used this quote over and over again, and it's actually a quote in my book also, that Dr. Keith Smith, the owner of the Oklahoma Surgery Center mm-hmm. in Oklahoma, I don't know if you've worked with him at all yet. Um, you know, he was, 20 years ago, he was the first cash-only surgery center that I know of, and he was instrumental in actually being transparent with pricing and posting his prices online. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he has really rocked rocked that part of the world, um, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. you can save so much money. You know, consumers know what they're paying before they get there. Anyway, when he was in practice, and I, my interview with him, he said this. He said, you know, when I was... When I was playing the game and in that system, I felt like an accessory to the crime. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a lot of providers out there, and they, they think the same way, but they really need to know that they're empowered to change that and change that for their patients. Right. And ultimately, they right. can make those changes and empower their patients to make changes. And when we as healthcare, when we as healthcare providers start empowering our patients to make those changes, that's when things really, really start to happen. Yeah. So I, I appreciate your your um, insight on that. Now, one of the things about business and and healthcare, I, I remember in pharmacy school, and you might have had the same. Um, you know, I mean, I literally had you know people that would say, "Well, I just wish we didn't have to worry about business. I just wish it was just you know you give patients care and you didn't have to worry about business." But yeah, I, you know, and I don't know if you got the same had the same experience, but. That's kind of what I what what I got. I, I did have an elective where I had a great business class, and that was awesome. Right. Um, but I think what's what I also recognize you said earlier is that you know we talk about you know free healthcare, but then we talk about how expensive healthcare is. So you know, can we have free healthcare and have it inexpensive? Is I mean that's interesting to me. I mean, is that an interesting concept that it's free but yet it's expensive? <laughs> right. Sure. Right. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, I appreciate you stepping out on a, on a, you know, stepping out and being an entrepreneur, and um, I, I really, really like to support practices like yours, and 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 love getting the word out there because people need to know that there there are other options. So, what's your typical wait time? How how soon can a patient get in to see you? Well, we it's for urgent care things. We guarantee same day next thing. So, um, hopefully, it's that same day next day. We have three people call today, and we're able to see. Uh, all of them today. So um, that's that's our uh, promise. If it was like a well adult exam, we might have a little more flexibility. But even that, I mean, we're talking about a few days. What's been your biggest hurdle opening up this new practice? Um, you know, I think it's education. I think because it's 
such a it's it seems too good to be true you know wait wait you can you do unlimited options I can come in every day it's not going to cost anything no I can spend two hours with you you're not going to charge me more no <laughs> you do these procedures there won't be anything else no no just as long as you pay a monthly membership fee that's it okay and I can text and call you from Puerto Rico and if something's going on I can talk to you yes 24-7 yes if it's an urgent care we want to be we want to be there you know with you and it's I think people have a tough time wrapping their mind around that. Like, education has been the biggest, I don't know if it's the biggest hurdle, the biggest requirement, I would say, to really talk to people about it. And because when they go in and it's like, what do you mean you don't take insurance? Like, we automatically think that's a bad thing. We're saying, we don't take insurance, and that's a good thing, because that's going to save you money in the long run. It's based on your health, I'm telling you, here's what you could do, and you could save hundreds of dollars a month just on your premium alone if you just made a few changes. I mean, and get quality of care that ranks in the 95th percentile nationally. That's the patient satisfaction scores for direct primary care in the nation. It's not, and it's just such a simple model. It's just a monthly membership fee, and then everything is included, more or less. There might be a few things that you, you pay cash for or whatever, but, um, but usually it's at cost. And it's like this true transparency. And when you, I've heard a lot of people say, okay, once I got into it, once I saw, like, oh my gosh, I can get this, three months of a blood pressure medication for $2 for you guys. Like, this is how much it costs you guys to get this? Yes, it's two bucks. It's, it opens up your eyes to the transparency and it becomes really difficult then to go back and say, I, I, a $20 copayment is not difficult for me to pay knowing that this generic medication once cost me $2, right? It's like, I know how much this, honestly, I'm not speaking on you because I know you don't do it anymore, but, you know, this, cost them and I know what they're charging as a profit. You know, it's like it just allows transparency. So I think for us that has been the biggest hurdle is just trying to tell people that there's a better way than health insurance. Yeah. Or there can be. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think isn't that one of our jobs as healthcare providers to educate patients? And, yeah. and you know, yeah. so I, I don't mind doing that. And it is it's not unbelievable because I get it, but when you do educate patients and, you know, medications um, is a perfect example, you know. You know what I'm saying about that. Yeah, and they, and, you know, they're paying, you know, they're paying a, you know, a $20 copay f um, every month for medication that, you know, if they purchased it at 100-day supply, you know, it'd be 15 bucks, you know, cash. Mm -hmm. And they think they're getting a good deal because of their insurance. Oh, I have good insurance because they don't know any different. So it's our job right. to educate them about that. So we are about ready to go to another commercial break. You are with Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Um, join the show. Have a question for Matt. Give us a call, 509-765-1470. Welcome back to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. We are in our last segment here um, with Matt Densmore from Direct Primary Care out of Spokane. Matt, you still with us? I am. All right. So I do have some questions for you. Okay. So is there, do you have, like on your website, is there a list of pricing or different services or all of the above? Yeah, there's a, you know, I mean, so for the monthly membership fee, we have a list of pricing. We list our, you know, members get uh, about 85% off labs. We have a list of, like, typical labs, you know, CBC, CMP, lipid with cost, um, with that, with that at cost. Cash pay pricing. We got 80 meds off medications, so we list, you know, 20 common meds and what the cost is versus retail with that. And then 
um, imaging, uh, we have x-ray images at all for that $55, so we kind of list that. Uh, there's multiple other things that we haven't listed. Um, it's in our list of services, so once we kind of set up, we can, we can show some of those things, but, you know, the steroid that would go in the shoulder, the anti-nausea medication we can give IV or the injection for a headache or something like that. Those are all at cost, usually less than $5, and um, certainly before we give it, we disclose the price saying, hey, do you want this? It's going to cost you this much, uh, and then I uh, can give it you know, at the time of service. Right. So um, when you speak of your monthly membership, will you go over that pricing one, age base, will you go over that one, one more time? Yeah, so, okay, 0 to 29, it's uh, $29, I'm sorry, 0 to 26 years old, $29 a month. Uh, 27 to 39 years old, it's $49 a month. 42, what am I at, 59? 40 to 59 is $79 a month. And then 60 to 64 is $109 a month. And they say healthcare is not affordable, right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, very my cell phone, though. Uh, exactly. I know. I, I use that analogy a lot. When somebody says something's expensive, yet they pay a hundred dollars a month for a cell phone, or, or yeah. think about think about a Starbucks coffee every day, at least five dollars, thirty oh, times God. a month, one hundred fifty bucks. So it's cheaper to have yeah. a membership with you where they have unlimited primary care visits than it is to buy a Starbucks a day. That's that's quite a value, is what that is. And statistically, it's about seventy nine percent of the care you'll need in your life within that monthly membership. Wow, that's amazing. So, you're talking about x-rays. Fifty-nine. You say $59 for an x-ray? $55? Uh, 55 Yeah, 55 And that's a six-position x-ray? Back, it could be, yes. Yeah, however many views, neck, back, knee, shoulder, hand, foot, whatever, uh, x-ray imaging, flat B is $55. Okay, so give an example of, through an insurance, what would the price of an x-ray normally be? Usually looking three times that, I would say. Um, it's probably $40 per view. Most images need, you know, at least two, you know, chest x-rays, two views, a knee x-rays, four views, a spine x-ray can need two views. You know, you're looking at at least, I'd say around there. So probably 150 to $200 for the most expensive x-ray. There are some x-rays, like one view, you might spend $40. And with the urgent care, we said, hey, can we just simplify it? Can we just, instead of people wondering what it is, can we just say, hey, whatever the x-ray is, it's going to be $55 flat fee, make it a fair price for urgent care, make it a fair price for a patient, and that's all we're asking for. Let's just be fair and transparent, and uh, so we're able to kind of settle on what we think is a really good price for an x-ray. Good for you. Way to be an advocate for patients. So I I will give you an example. I know my son broke his wrist a few years ago. Okay. And um, six-position x-ray, they wanted $300 for a six-position x-ray. Uh, and then they wanted $300 to read it. <laughs> right. And, yeah. of course, I tried to argue with them and say, well, um, that doesn't seem reasonable. And yeah. they said, well, that's what insurance usually, we bill insurance. I said, well, I don't have insurance. So I tried to negotiate a cash price with them later. They weren't very friendly about it. Um, uh, you know, so we ended up going somewhere else, actually, and we got an x-ray for $59. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, of course, that x-ray included the reading fee. Yeah, which, 
I don't know, Matt. I mean, you know, I'm just a pharmacist, but I just, I think that, you know, to, to, to throw a reading fee on there is just overcharging the system. And they just do it because they can. And that's one of the reasons that I don't like the health insurance model because things are just billed on there to, to add up the cost because somebody else pays the bill. So, and I, and, you know, I don't know. I think that's something that should be included in the appointment is, is reading yeah. the x-ray. I mean, I would think that sounds reasonable. So, so what is your most compelling story? Give us a great patient story where you saved a patient, you know, a great patient story where you saved a patient a bunch of time or money. And I, okay. I, I know you have lots of them, but go ahead. <laughs> All right. How much time do you have? Okay. I'll try to make this concise. So, um, got a patient come in who I was complaining of abdominal pain. And so when he came in, we thought, gosh, there's enough here that he needs some imaging today. Like this could be appendicitis or, I don't know, probably just, you know, gallbladder issue or something like that. We need some imaging to rule out some real bad things. And so, and it's either that or we got to send him to the ER to get it right away. So, okay, well, let's see if we can get you know, some imaging done. And he's a cash pay patient, so he's cost conscious, right? He wants to navigate this in a smart way. So we said, okay, well, you're stable. You're not, you know, you're on the fever. You're, doesn't look like your blood pressure is real low. Like you're, you're stable. We can manage this on an outpatient basis so long as we can move some of these things along. So we ended up um, calling three or four imaging centers, trying to find the best time. And we found one that had the best time and um, what we, what we hoped was a good price, right? It was through this or in, uh, through a company. And so we called, I called ahead, we arranged a time for him, he's going over there, and they said, okay, an hour before appointment, we're gonna, we're gonna call, we're gonna confirm the price, we gotta run this through our financial department. So we said, okay, and we had already called this clinic before on a separate occasion to kind of figure out what the local cash pay price is for some of these things. And so we had a rough idea what it was gonna cost. So we called, and they called and they said, hey, uh, it's gonna cost me, this CT abdomen is gonna cost me uh, man, it was like twenty-four, $3,200, something along those lines. And we knew, based on our research, that it might, you know, like worst case scenario, it should be like 800 bucks, 600 bucks, something like that. It's like, okay, that is way higher than we thought. So, so then we called the, the billing department, and the, <laughs> the billing department doesn't know. We don't know how it's going to cost them. Like, we depends on his insurance. He's cash pay. Well, we don't know what we charge for that. Like, <laughs> I do not know what you charge that. I do well, there is somebody who knows. So, so they had to call somebody. That person called me. In the meantime, we're like an hour away from this appointment. We're rushing up to this point. We're trying to get him in as soon as we can. We called, they, they call us in, and they're like, okay, yes, we confirmed it. It is $3,200. I'm like, no, okay, he's paying cash. Well, yeah, okay, he gets a 20% discount, so he brings it down on whatever it was. And it still was three to four times higher. And I remember asking, I was like, how can you justify? I know that a, a, the same basically CAT scan machine down the road is, um, should cost them, you know, four times less than what you're charging them. How do you justify that charge? How do I ever send another patient to you knowing that they're going to be fleeced because they're going to be charged an incredible amount of money? How do I do that? How do I continue to send people away? They're like, well, I don't, I don't know, you know, it's, we, I, you know it, it, I can't blame them. Like, they don't set the pricing. It's like some hierarchy ladder thing. Just like, well, okay, I'll talk to somebody and see if we can lower it down. They said, no, we don't do price negotiation. Like, well, because there's no price transparency. You're not accountable for your price. So that's why you can charge whatever you want. 
So then they were calling around again, we cancel this guy's appointment, we gotta try to find him in another place. And he also needs to be pre-treated, that's right, with IV contrast, he needs to be pre-treated with some steroids. In which case, if they, we found another place to do the CAT scan, and they said, no, we can't do the steroids because we don't do that here, that's scheduled a different day, we need a nurse present and all this other stuff. And I was like, okay, well we have that steroid in-house, so let me come back here, <laughs> wow. we'll give you the shots, so he gave him the shots, it was like 12 bucks, and then he goes before this new scheduled appointment, and we confirmed the pricing was $600, $800, something like that, four times less than what he was going to have to pay, and was able to get the, the um, test done that day. The most ironic thing is the same person who ordered that, who owns that CT scan, the same company owns that CT scan, owns the other one that quoted us the price four times higher. But because he had to walk through the doors of a hospital to get into that CT machine, even though it was outpatient, because it was located in a hospital, they could charge and justify four times the amount than what they were charging at this kind of standalone outpatient clinic. Which doesn't make any sense to me. It's like the same test. They're just a little bit different doors. I suppose some higher administration, but then they can barely bill four times that. Right. It so, it's a complete racket, and we, we had another DPC provider on, Dr. Richard Edgerly, two episodes oh, yeah. ago that talked about um, facility fees in hospitals, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. one of the things that really increase prices is, is in hospitals, facility fees. I don't think that's exactly what's going on there, but I totally get that. So, yeah. Um, well, so, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, the long story short is we probably saved him not only able to get the imaging that day and kept him out of the ER, it probably saved him two to four thousand dollars. We were able to find out what was going on and begin a treatment regime uh, that next day. And, and you know, we found out that day that it wasn't an acute abdomen, and then it was the next day that we were able to begin to work on what else was going on. And of course, you saved him a ton of time. I mean, a ton yeah. of time. Right. Not have to navigate the entire system. So, we're about ready to wrap it up. So, Matt, um, in closing, um, do you have to? Does a patient have to be located in Spokane to be a member of your of your clinic? Well, no, technically no. However, that might be a long drive from Seattle to come to you know our clinic. So, when you when you register for a direct primary care clinic, it's kind of like signing up for a gym. You know, it gives you access to that gym and not every other. Gym. Uh, so if you're part of our direct clinic here, then you get limited access to where we're located in North Spokane. Uh, you can use telemedicine services wherever. Um, so whether you're in Seattle, you know, we do that for part of our patients. Um, and then, you know, you always can Google direct clinic care near me, and you probably uh, can find two or three um, locations, uh, uh, clinics that are doing exactly what we're doing right in your own hometown. That's awesome. So, um, how can patients get a hold of you, Matt? Well, they can you know, check us out online at mydpcclinic.com. So, my direct family care, but mydpcclinic.com. Also, our Facebook, if you want to follow us on there, Instagram hashtag is the same thing. Uh, they're also welcome to give us a call if we can help in any way or if they just want some more information. Our number is 509 553 Awesome, Matt. Well, that wraps up another episode of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you all for listening. And next week, we have Dr. Greg Jones from Health Source Chiropractic out of Moses Lake. Uh, that wraps up another episode. Thank you so much for, for listening. And see you next week.